0: Welcome to the very first episode of the brand new podcast, 12 Legends, a show that brings you closer to some of the most important pieces of uh, Seattle Seahawks history. And today, in the very first episode, I'm joined by one of my favorite players all time in the NFL and a true Seahawks legend, Marcus Trufant, directly from Tacoma, Washington, I assume.
1: Yeah, T-Town, baby. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Cool, man. Yeah. So thanks for taking uh, the time, Marcus. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you on the show. No
1: problem, man. Thanks for having me.
0: 10 seasons as a Seahawk, and in 10 years, you won the NFC West five times, won NFC Championship, as I remember correctly. And probably you should have won a Super Bowl, too, if it wasn't for some bad calls by the refs. Uh, but we might be- get back to that. And then one selection for the Pro Bowl back in 2007. So, in other words, a heck of a career, like in true loyalty to, uh, to, to Seattle. So, um, really happy to have you here. And um, first of all, how's life in Tacoma, and what are you up to these days?
1: Uh, life is good, man. And again, uh, thanks for having me on the show, man. It's an sure. honor to be on the uh, first episode. So that's really cool. But yeah. Um, so what I'm doing today, man, I have a wife. I have five children. So that is my first job. Of course, I got to play husband. I got to play important. daddy. My, my uh, kids are doing homeschool right now because of COVID and all that crazy stuff. So I'm, I'm not the teacher but I'm the bus driver. So I take the kids wherever they need to go, all their activities. They play soccer, they're cheerleaders. They're doing a bunch of different stuff. Right. So I have that going. And my wife and I, we actually have a podcast. Um, also it's called, uh, truly unruly. And we talk about marriage. We talk about kids. We talk about the ups and downs of relationships, man and how we met and the dynamics between, uh, being in a relationship and being in the NFL and all that kind of good stuff, man. And you could uh, find us. I'm going to do a little shout out. You can do it. I, I watched the at, first uh, episode
0: today, actually. So I really like it. All right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on IG at truly unruly underscore podcast. And uh, yeah, man, I'm involved in some business. Um, I'm involved in self-storage buildings has been my business and my transition from the NFL. So, um, as you could basically say I'm involved in real estate, I have a yep. nonprofit, the true Fine family foundation. We give scholarships for a bunch of kids in Tacoma, a uh, bunch of kids in Seattle. And we've been doing that for over 15 years, man. So doing things, um, for the youth and any community, man, is really big for me, man. And I'm just trying to grow that bigger, man, trying to do more and just, uh, Trying to get forward, man, and try to stay positive with all this craziness going on.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because that was actually my next question. Like that, this has been such a crazy year for like, about everyone in the entire world. But but how have you co- cope with the COVID situation? How has it affected your uh, your family and your business and everything?
1: Right. Yeah, man. It's, so of course, with business, um, and, you know, you can't do a bunch of gatherings and different stuff like that. So as far as doing um, as far as live events, man, and getting involved with the community, of course, which I love doing. I did a charity bowling event for 15 years, and I couldn't do that. I usually do a Santa's breakfast around Christmas for the kids and stuff like that. I couldn't do that. So yeah. just trying to get creative, man, and do different things. But what I did do um, during COVID, I did a COVID relief emergency fund. I got a bunch of donations. I was able to help out people with uh, food, rent, um, transportation to and from work, uh, childcare, men and stuff like that. But overall, man, I think it's uh, tough on the mental part as yeah. far as um, just not being able to thing, to do the things that you're used to doing. So it's it's stressful, man, of being stuck in the house. So you got to find a way to get a positive outlet. I've joined the men's group, man. Um, we talk about faith. And we just talk about being positive. We talk about marriage. We talk about relationships. So I think you got to be proactive, and you got to be really into doing some stuff that brings you joy. And you got to find time to um, to have self care, and you got to take care of yourself, man. It's tough. It's easier said than done, but you got to find a way to do it.
0: Yeah, definitely. But has it also given you more time at home with the kids or because for me, like I, I see some positives and like I've, I've been able to see my family more because we had to stay home and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would agree with that. I, I'm um, spending a lot more time with my kids, of course, with them being at home and not going to school. So um, there's a, a different dynamic that the, uh, The kids are always around. I got to get them off their phones. I got to get them off TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we want to eat together and do stuff like that and and just play games together, man, and wrestle around. I got four daughters and I got a little son. And we do dance parties and we do different stuff in the house. So it is a a positive in that light to where life has slowed down, right? And you really get to spend that time that you might not have had elsewise. So it's been good on that side. I I would agree.
0: Also looking from a football perspective it's been a really weird season so far and uh and and i reckon it's been a, a really weird experience for for the players also being on uh on lumen field as it's called now there's many different names to the right, right right right
1: right i was yeah. like
0: lumen sounds okay. so weird to say it right for you it must still right. be the, the most right name would would be chris field for you still right
1: Right, right, yep. I remember it as Quest back in the good old days, right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> like that was also my first experience with, with the Seahawks live. That was on Quest Field back in two thousand and nine. You were injured, unfortunately, so I didn't see you play live, though. But have you been to the stadium this year? Because normally the the atmosphere is just so crazy on on Sea Link Lumen Field, whatever. Uh, but this year it's been so different. Have you been there for any, any of the games this year?
1: No, I have not been there, man. And I was uh, doing some um, small media stuff. I was doing like some Thursday night football. I was doing some interviews and stuff like that. And they're only letting a small amount of media into the stadium. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've let any fans in yet. And um, I know in the the beginning of the seasons, they talked about how that it might only be for the first three games. But uh, I have not been there. And it's usually crazy. It's usually loud. It's usually... uh, if you leave that stadium and your ears are ringing, man, it's so loud in there. So I know that they're definitely missing that part. I know they're really missing that.
0: Yeah, can you can you put some words on like how is the atmosphere? Like, I mean, many of us our, us fans has experienced it from the stands, but being on the field with uh, like around seventy thousand people in the stands and ceiling, whatever.
1: Right. Yeah, man. Um, seventy thousand people and probably ninety percent of them have been drinking a lot, right? So that adds to (laughs) it, and that adds to the craziness that adds to the fun. So yeah, just crazy fans that are crazy involved. I play defense, so the crowd is really loud because they're screaming at the opposing offense, right? They're just, you know, nonstop. And I could be standing two feet away from my teammate and I'm trying to give defensive calls and talk about what we see and you can't even hear. You literally got to come up to a guy's helmet and you got to scream in his ear. just to be able to communicate and it's good on defense man it gets us fired up but it does have its challenges and um that's when you get a lot of the hand signals and you're doing all this kind of stuff on the field because you can't really hear but uh it's definitely good for the um for the Hawks in general we feed off that energy so I can't wait to the crowd can get back in there man it's really good
0: it is indeed a sacred place for all Seahawks fans but um like if we should jump a little bit into your career, which also placed you on the, I saw, saw you on the 35th year anniversary team, uh, which is super nice with all the mm-hmm. other legends, and Easley, Kennedy, like you name it. What is it like for you thinking back like a decade of football on such a high level in the same organization for, uh, for so long? What, is, what are your thoughts here? Like eight year after, when you think back, what, what's, what's on your mind?
1: Well, it was a great time, man. And it was a, dream come true but the the crazy part about it is like it was so uh it feels like it was so short man it's, yeah it, uh I just feel like it happened like that because you know you you come into the league at 22 23 years old and you're still a young man and you think you're gonna be young forever um I'm almost 40 now I'll be turning 40 uh this Christmas so yeah man, I'm getting nervous man I got that 40 year old bug is jumping on me but crazy. it's so quick man and things happen so fast so just to think back, man, and really try to relive those moments, man. I got a bunch of videos. I got a bunch of, um, uh, bunch of pictures and stuff like that. So just really take the time to try to slow down. And I wish I would have did this more of the, uh, you know, just while I was playing is just document the stuff that I did and those experiences I was going through. Cause like I said, it goes through just like that. And then you're gone, man. And it's, um, there's always another uh, uh, guy that's coming in and it's his turn, it's his dream is coming true. So it's just like clockwork, man. It keeps working, but it was a, a great time, great opportunity. I played for coach Holmgren. I played for Bill. Uh, um, uh, I played for coach Mora. Um, I played for Pete Carroll as well. So to have the opportunity to play with all three coaches, to be a part of a uh, quest be a part of C-Link, man, do all these different things and kind of go through the growth of the organization is really big um, for me. We started kind of, you know, of course, at a lower level and now it's yeah. where it is now. And I feel like I was a part of that growth.
0: It must feel like that, like it, it was such a short period, but also that you're just uh, like, there's just the next guy up. But, but just for you to know what you contributed with, on and off the field and also, also as you're talking about right now that you're still doing us all of these things for the community and people around you like it it like it means something also to, to the people looking at it from the outside so don't think that you're just out in the woods now like you're still in our much house much appreciated my man yeah.
1: much appreciated much
0: appreciated <laughs> but I mean yeah you were talking about it you got into the league when you were 22 23 and I just read today that I think the, so yeah you did a 438 40 yard dash like, that's crazy, man. I, I, I knew you were fast, but like that is that's like deathly fast. But I used yeah. to
1: be fast, man. I used to be fast. I'm getting old now, man. Like I said, I'm always uh <laughs> 40, but I was never the biggest guy, man. So I had to rely on my speed, and that was crazy, man. Because guys that are bigger are running just as fast, man. You look at a guy like K Metcalf that's you know almost 230 pounds, if not heavier, right. and he's running like four threes, four twos. I don't know what he's doing, but it's crazy. I don't know if it's something in the water. I don't know if it's something <laughs> in the food now, but these guys are crazy. But yeah, just to be smaller and know if my game was about speed and quickness, man. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, you start to age and that starts to leave you a little bit. So I did my time. I really enjoyed it, man. I, um, during my first couple of years, even in 2007, when I went to the Pro Bowl, um I was really confident and, and um I it just felt like I was balling and then shoot it's a couple of injuries happen and you start to lose a step and uh, the rest is history man and that's how it works.
0: Yeah, things goes fast, like it, it definitely does. But you you were you were picked really early in the draft that puts a lot of pressure on you and like we've seen multiple times during the history that some has definitely lived up to it and some people has had a really hard time you like transitioning from the from college to to the NFL how was that how did you deal with the pressure coming into uh the NFL as, as such a high draft pick
1: right yeah i think the pressure is just a part of the game man and you want to get drafted early and everybody wants to go number 1 of course i, I know i, I was drafted <laughs> uh with, right right i was drafted number 11 in uh 2003 so yeah. um i think i was the second corner taken off of the board behind uh, Terrence Newman.
0: It's, oh, yeah.
1: You see, you never forget, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, the pressure you come in and you're drafted that high and you're supposed to be a starter. And the thing that nobody really talks about, I guess, from the outside looking in, is that you come in and you're supposed to take somebody's spot, right? Because yep. it's already somebody there. But if they draft you to come in and you're drafted that high and you're expected to play, there's guys that are already playing there before you get there. So, you come in. And you really just have to focus in, man. You got to look within. And in some teams, and you get veterans that are, are, are you know, uh, territorial, I guess is what I would say. But on the Seahawks, uh, they welcomed me with open arms. At the time, um, I know it was Sean Springs.
0: Yeah, that was my it next. And Lucas too. that was there. Exactly. Like w- were they like yep. kind of mentors to you, or like how did they actually welcome you, or like take you in?
1: Absolutely, were mentors with me, and it's just what those guys. It was some older safeties on the league too, um, guys like Reggie Tung, yeah. and uh, guys like Damian Robinson that were there, and they all um, that it was all about team. It wasn't it's, it's so much about okay, this is my position. It was all about team, and we all wanted to win, and we all wanted to make it happen. So they welcomed me with open arms and I didn't come in cocky I wasn't doing all that kind of stuff I just wanted to learn I wanted to be coached and I wanted to get better so uh, I think that's why they were more uh, welcoming than others may have been because if some rookies can come in they could be cocky they could do this and do that but uh, I didn't want to come in like that so I think I did it the right way.
0: Oh, that's super cool to hear and I mean you were also part of starting or creating a winning culture in, in, in the Seahawks uh, organization. And you, you won four division titles in a row and you were a big part of that yourself. So do, do you see that as this thing that was created by Coach Holmgren or was, was that the front office putting, putting the, the right players together or is it, is, the, is it the players thing or is it like a combination of all of it?
1: I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination. And you got coaches that believe and um and then you get players that buy in and then um you got the right system and then you gotta put talent around people. Um the funny thing about Seattle is that there was always a lot of talent up here. It's just that the wins weren't coming, but you change a piece here and you change a piece there and it really worked out. And you got guys like Sean Alexander were here, and then Matt Hasselback, man and then Walter Jones, and then a piece like that, uh guys like that that were you know, guys that are in the Hall of Fame now, I mean, guys that were, um, guys that were MVPs of the league and stuff like that. So, you know, you put a, a few pieces together and you bring a little light to Seattle because we're way up in the Northwest. Uh, I mean, a lot of people forget about us, but um, there's a lot of good football that was playing out here. So, um, so again, I would just say it was a combination of things to front office and you add a couple pieces with talent and then the rest is history
0: yeah let's jump to 2005 the super Bowl season that, I, I reckon it must have <laughs> no but I mean like that must have been a special year for you in in, in in many ways so like it's the first time ever for Seattle to be in the super Bowls uh, how was how the general wi- vibe in the in the house during that season
1: right man it was nuts it was madness the whole city pretty much was on fire being the first um Time that the, uh, the, the organization had been to the Super Bowl. Um, just the season that we had, it was kind of a Cinderella season. There were guys that were hurt. There were guys, and um, nobody really gave us a chance. A team of underdogs, a lot of guys stepped up and stuff like that. So it was just crazy overall how the season just came together. And then we won the NFC uh, championship at home in front of our home crowd and just the celebration and all that kind of stuff. It was really good, man. We had a really good team, um, a good mix of young and old players. And it was a a great experience, man. And as a young player, I thought it was going to be like that every year. I think that (laughs) might have been my second or third year right so I was like oh yeah this is what it's about man every year we're going to the Super Bowl man we are gonna really make it happen uh I know it didn't work out like that but that's what I was thinking man but the just the energy um that was surrounding the team and the uh city and the state it was great man it was awesome
0: and you you had a pretty strong playoff run you, yourself too like I, I remember a fumble recovery and like a lot of deflected passes um so and, and in general, it was actually a pretty strong de- defensive showing throughout the playoffs. But did, mm-hmm. do, you, do you remember anything, like any play or any specific like situation during the games in particular from those those games before the Super Bowl, leading up to the Super
1: Bowl? Yeah. And you know that some of the games start to run together, right? Um, you play for so long and then uh, I bought, um, should have almost been retired for almost 10 years. But yeah. Um, I talk about that NFC championship game against the, um, the Carolina Panthers here at home at the time it was Quest Field, um, I think. But I just remember the crowd, man. I remember we talked about the crowd and um, just the noise and the energy. And even a couple of games before that, I think it was that same year, we played against the Giants and they had all these offsides penalties and false starts and crazy stuff because the crowd was so nuts man and I think that's when um the Hawks and the 12th man kind of got their name during that first Seahawks run because it was so loud so crazy and it really made a difference it was making teams go off sides it was making them do things and it was really helping the team and the crowd they just took that and ran with it man and um I think it just grew and it just got stronger and stronger. So that's what I would say, man, at that, that that year run. Um, for me, at least, it wasn't so much just about all the plays, but just about the energy in the field from the crowd and everybody involved.
0: Yeah. And then the Super Bowl. Like you, could, you completely shut down Big Ben that night, like completely shut him down. I think he had like nine completions or something like that. Um, right. I know that. Many Seahawks fans, at least I did, I felt that we were robbed from that victory because of a pushing off penalty on, uh, what's it, uh, Daryl Jackson, I think it was, uh, in the end zone. when he actually. D-Jack, yep. Yeah. And I was like, that's bullshit. <laughs> and also, the touchdown, the Big Ben scored or didn't score, who knows. What, what was the feeling in the locker room between you guys? Did, did, did you feel the same way or did you feel it, it was like it, it was a fair loss that you actually lost that game?
1: Right. Well, I'm going (laughs) to speak from personal experience, right? Yeah. Personal experience. I personally feel like it was one of the worst games that we had played at that season, right? If you take out all that stuff and you take out the Big Ben play and you take out the Daryl Jackson play and some other stuff with Jerome better and all this kind of stuff, it was an ugly game and we just didn't play well. We didn't capitalize on opportunities and we didn't do things right so when you don't do that kind of stuff and you're the underdog and and you go in uh to the stadium and everybody's wearing the pittsburgh colors they got the terrible towels they're waving around and it felt like that they were playing a home game yeah so if you're going to come into enemy territory you got to be on your game everything's got to be right you got to take care of business and we didn't do that so I know that the refs came back and they apologized and did all types of stuff afterwards. But for me, it didn't, re, uh, it didn't really matter. I feel like we really had to play better. I know that the fans and in the community, that people were like, yeah, they got uh, it, 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 that you guys got cheated and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. some of that might be true, but we still play like crap. We still play like crap. So we didn't deserve to win.
0: Okay, yeah, sure. But that, make, that makes sense. And I, I think that's sportsmanship, like feeling that way, that you could have done a better job yourself. Do you, do you see it now as, as a, the experience, the whole experience of being in a Super Bowl and playing in the Super Bowl? Uh, now that it was a loss and a weird loss and you played an ugly game, as you said, like, do you remember it as a, as a positive thing or, is it, or a negati- negative thing when you think it back, back to the Super Bowl?
1: Well, I think, it was a, I think it was a positive. Again, being a young player, I was like, okay, it's going to be like this every year. And all we got to do is clean up a couple things and we'll be right back. Right. Our team is good. I'm young. I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. But um, what I didn't realize is that it's very hard to get to a Super And when you get there, you got to take an opportunity. So that's more of the point. I don't feel like we took advantage of the opportunity. We we came in and we were focused. We were ready. But it just didn't show, um, it didn't translate over to our play. So I feel like we could have played a lot better.
0: Uh, and the last question regarding your career, I, I, I was just thinking about this thing also, as you talked about for, before having Sean Springs as a mentor and Ken Lucas. Um, back in 2011, when uh, Sherm was drafted, drafted, you were in a similar situation as that, but in the other end of it, right? So, like, how was your relationship mm-hmm. to him? Because I I know he has said also that, that you were a great mentor for him. Did you learn something from from Sean, and did you take that with you? And like, how did, do you feel that you were part of developing uh, Sherm? And did you see his talent right away? Because many people obviously didn't because he was picked so late and everything.
1: Right. Well, yeah. Um, Sherm uh, <laughs> Sherm was a, a different type. Of young player, great player, great teammate, but he really wanted to play. And that was good, man. And it, it just the energy at practice and everything. He, he would make the practices more competitive because he'd be talking trash to the quarterbacks, be talking trash <laughs> to the receivers and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. And of course on defense and as his boy, I loved it. But um, I knew that, I couldn't play forever. I um, was um, towards the end of my career and I knew that. So I wanted to be able to help in any way possible. I wanted to be able to uh, show guys what it looked like to be a professional. Um, And that's on the field and that's off the field. That's a family man and that's everything involved. So I just try to do my best. I wasn't so much of a, you know, I'm going to come up here and I'm going to tell you what to do. I would just try to lead by example. So yeah, I would try to do my thing, man. And I've always been a team guy. I wanted to play. I wanted to play if I was healthy, but I was hurt. I did stuff. And then um, you talk about taking advantage of your opportunities. That's what these guys did. And they were young guys. It was Earl Thomas. It was Sherman. And it was Cam Chancellor. And they came in and they did their time. They played on special teams. They did all the rookie stuff they went and got us donuts and chicken wings and did all that stuff for the old guys (laughs) and did all that little stuff so we had a good team and a a nice mesh of the young and the old and um I think we learned from each other I learned from the young guys and then the young guys learned from me and um they just took the torch and they ran with it man and they just took it higher and they did it better but I think that's the goal that's kind of like a kind of like the big brother figure and you want to uh go back and teach and you want them to do better than you did and that's what they did
0: yeah yeah that makes sense and speaking of chicken wings i remember was it like four or five years ago you posted something about thoughts of opening uh like a fried chicken restaurant (laughs) like what happened to that right well you know what
1: man um if things in business, it's always about timing, man. It's always about timing. So I'm a guy like, a, I like to look at a little bit of everything. I'm an entrepreneur, man. I'm involved in uh, several businesses. But, um, but at the time, I did want to look at some chicken wings. I know a guy that is involved in chicken wings. As a matter of fact, I know that Richard Sherman is involved in, uh, in um, Wingstop. And mm-hmm. there's a, a gentleman I know that's out here locally that's involved in Ezell's Chicken. So um, I love both of those. And um, I would say never say never. I still got time. I might be able to get involved later. So, yeah, I'm always looking for something new, man. And that's funny you saw that, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, you made it today because it's my birthday today. So I was like, this is a great birthday present, oh, by wow. the way, talking to you. Yeah. So, Happy uh,
1: birthday, sir.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks, man. So actually, I made homemade fried chicken today. It went pretty well. So if you need a chef or a cook like doing it, uh, hit me up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice, nice. We uh, have to look you up, huh? Yeah,
0: definitely. No, okay, let's move on to uh, a couple of questions from the from the Danish fans right here. Um, I think this is a really uh, interesting one. Like, who's the best receiver you've ever played against?
1: I've played a lot of, against a lot of good guys, man. Yep. And I've played against a lot of guys that have gold jackets right now. Played against the guys out in St. Louis. You got uh Tory Holt
0: Isaac Bruce, Bruce.
1: Yeah. Um, those guys I've played against, um, Marvin Harrison out there when him and Peyton Manning was doing it, man, I, I played against greats like Larry Fitzgerald, Terrell Owens, and, you know, and the young guys uh, played against Megatron out there when he was in Detroit, but the best receiver I feel like I've played against is Randy Moss.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about and it. And I like. say
1: that because of just the threat that he he could always go at any point. He was so fast. He was so big. And he could catch and just do everything so well. And that week of practice was always hell, man, just getting ready for that. It was a lot of running, a lot of passes. But, yeah, Randy Moss is the GOAT to me. And uh, I don't know about anybody else, but, yeah, it was always a tough cover, always tough.
0: Yeah, he was like, but also like amazing to watch. So, so probably oh, yeah. that goes amazing, yeah, amazing <laughs> man. I'm a super fan. Yeah,
1: definitely a big fan.
0: And then the next one is like, and the, that's a question I came up with today because I saw this interview with Sean Springs, and uh, he was asked, okay, um, who the best cornerback in Seahawks history is, and he said, obviously okay. myself, obviously myself.
1: Okay, and I, know that's, right.
0: and I know that James says the same thing. So I wanted to ask you, who's the best cornerback in Seahawks history?
1: Oh man, uh, best cornerback in Seahawks history. Um, man, it, it, it's tough um, to put a finger on it. And then, man, in, in different generations, um, you got Sherman, you got guys like Springs um I always pay homage I'm a humble guy so I I won't say myself I know I'm up there but I never say I'm the best but uh, I would say it's hard to say man and and then you got safeties that sometimes played in the corner kind of moved around and did stuff too I always like to put out the great uh Kenny Easley and uh I mean even though he he played more um of course the safety position but um there's a lot of greats in that defensive backfield man so uh I'm not going to say I'm going to at the fence. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay. I, I take that as a that an humble answer for yourself, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> there
1: we go. There we go. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah. Which actually leads me to the next question because, um, I, I think this is interesting as, as well. Who's, who's the most underrated Seahawks player that you've played with?
1: Mm, most underrated. I would say who I don't think gets enough credit mm-hmm. is, uh, Sean Alexander. Yeah. For uh, tenure here, and and I'm saying, like, uh, maybe on a national level or a global level, I would think around Washington, but just overall, this man was MVP of the league, put up crazy numbers, was a super baller, but it's just something about it, man. I don't feel like, personally, that he he got the love that he should have got during the time he played. And then... um, words as well I know he has the numbers and when you talk to people who know football they know but I'm just talking about like the, being a basic household name I don't think yeah so you think about like, love, when, like
0: uh like like and the people playing at the same time
1: yeah 100% right yeah yeah,
0: yeah because they were battling it out and like when people refer to that era they usually talk about the even though like Sean had many of the the records at the time and like yeah so I get it I get it Mm-hmm. That makes sense, but would you see yourself as an underrated player? I think about that sometimes because, you, like, you have one Pro Bowl, but you played so consistently on a really high level as uh, one of the best corners in the league for such a long time. Uh, but you only have one Pro Bowl.
1: I would think so, man. I've all uh, I felt like I've been an underrated player the since I yeah. was in college. Hey, man, since I was a little kid in fifth grade, man, playing quarterback and playing, yeah. uh, excuse, playing linebacker. But yeah, man, just being underrated. I think at that time of being a Seahawk, I felt like that we weren't really on a national stage and now they looked at as playing real football. Um, You know, they didn't have a lot of respect for the division and all that kind of stuff. So um, I would think I was underrated for a little bit, but for me, um, just like you said, it was about being consistent, about doing my job, about making it happen for my teammates. So of course I would like to go to the Pro Bowl every year I probably could work on my hands a little bit. I could have a couple more uh, picks, but uh, it didn't 21, work out that man. way. But, like um,
0: twenty one is a lot.
1: That's all right. But that's <laughs> all right. That's all right. I could get better. But I, but but, I, but but I do feel like I was underrated. I felt like um, that on the national level, I was underrated. But that's the way. That's just how the game goes, and um, I'm good with that. I mean, I'm confident in my career. I got my one Pro Bowl. And, um, of course, I can hang that plaque on the wall and I can tell my kids about it. So I'm good.
0: Exactly. And, like, you have brothers playing as well. Like, I, I say, we I were right. in the Jets for a couple of years, and, and Desmond mm-hmm. doing a really good job still. That must also yep. be really cool for you, like, to being able to follow. Like, uh, Desmond is the only one playing still, right? I say is. Right, you know, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you go to a lot of the games? And, when, when it's possible, obviously.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to the games. I had been to Atlanta Falcons games, of course, when Desmond was down in uh, down Atlanta, but now he's in Detroit. I haven't mm-hmm. been to a Detroit game, of course, because of COVID and all that. Um, I've been to some Jets games and going to see Isaiah. So it's um, cool, man, d- 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 just to be big brother um, and I get to switch roles. I get to become a cheerleader, right? I get to get my pom-poms and cheer for my brothers, man. And it's, it's cool, man. It's a really good feeling. And I know how I feel, so I can only imagine, of course, what my parents feel like, um, of course, with all three of their sons yeah. playing in the league and doing it like that. But uh, yeah. it's really cool, man. And it's uh, a, definitely a blessing uh, to be able to be part of that.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And um, a last question from the fans right here is, um, you, you also played on a Pete Carroll, but that was in the end of your career. And to many players, he's mm-hmm. such a big, big uh, motivational factor and uh, a big players coach. But how, does it, how did it feel for you playing under a, a coach that actually uh, was in the end of your career, so actually you got l- less playing time with, with him as a coach?
1: Right. Pete Carroll, um, I know for some of the old guys on the team, when Pete first got there, I know it was like, okay, is Pete really like this? Can he be this positive? Can he be this the fun of a coach is this real and a lot of guys kind of thought it was just rah rah but i really bought into it man i thought it was really cool that he come to practice he was playing music and he's cracking jokes and he's making it fun and he's kind of taking it back to it's taking it back to schoolyard ball and you're just yeah. out there having a good time and you're really enjoying your teammates you enjoy coming to practice and it's good for the young players, but I think it's really good for the old players as well. It's a breath of fresh air. So I really enjoyed my time with Pete. And um, I think Pete's style of coaching, I think, I think it really works. And I think that a lot of guys around the league, I think they could take some notes on it, man. But when you're just consistently, you know, screaming at guys and you're beating them up, of course, that you want guys to be accountable and you got to be serious about your job, but I think there's a happy medium there. So I think Pete's style of coaching, I think that goes far. I think that works.
0: Awesome, yeah. But it seems like that, looking from the outside. But I've also been thinking sometimes. But we we haven't seen a lot because he's obviously been pretty successful the entire way through. But when the ship goes wrong, right? How, how, that, that maybe that is a weird thing, like being so happy and like over the top. Like how, that probably doesn't work. Like if if you're a five and 12, five and eleven team
1: right i think he has that happy medium though
0: yeah okay
1: um i know on mondays that we would come back after the game right and we would watch the uh film and he would have tell the truth mondays and he had no problem of calling things out calling guys out and saying what you did wrong but it was always a part of uh, a positive spin on it okay yes you did did this wrong you got beat on this touchdown or you threw this interception but if we clean that up and we can do better then things would be better. So, I mean, it was all about telling the truth. It's about being accountable. But if you can still put a positive spin on it and he lets you know that he's in the fight with you. So, I
0: think it works. Yeah. Cool. Um, and the last part of this is, like, talking a little bit about 2020 Seahawks. We're 8-3 and three right now, so it's a very respectable record, but there's been some, some bumps on the road, uh, definitely. So, so very top line. What, what do you think is the, the biggest strengths and uh, weaknesses of, of this year's team?
1: I think the biggest strength is the offense, of course. And, and um, you know, you got Russell Wilson in the connection with DK Metcalf and even Tyler Lockett. And now um, that uh, Chris Carson is back as well, I think that makes a huge difference when they don't um, have to force Russ Wilson into a position where he has to be at the everything and that go to guy, I think the Seahawks are better off. And I know that um, Pete Carroll would probably say the same thing. And that's just how it works. If you can have a balanced attack, I think that's really what helps. So I think the offense is hitting on all cylinders. I know saying that Russell may be in a position where he's forcing things sometime and he's thrown a couple more picks than he has in the last couple of years but I think that's okay I think he'll shake that off and then um uh, and then you talk about the defense and a lot of people have been riding the defense and saying the defense isn't doing this they aren't doing that but I think the defense has so many different moving parts and different guys new guys coming in and stuff like that I think they're okay I think having that bend but don't break style of defense it can work if you have the type of offense that we have over in Seattle so um I know the defense. I know we need to put more pressure on the quarterback because that always helps the secondary. That 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 it just helps the whole team. And um, so I don't think it's as bad as maybe people think. I think it. I think the way the Seahawks are coached and the way their mindset is is they they um, aren't going to peak early. I think they're looking to peak towards the end of the year as they're going in to the playoffs and doing all that kind of stuff. So I tell everybody just be patient.
0: Just be yeah. patient.
1: I think things will like work every out.
0: year. Like we're sitting on the on the edge all the season, all season long, but uh, in the end, like right, they, yeah. they do pretty well. They do pretty well, and it's also easy because right. it was actually my next question about the defense. It's so easy to blame Ken Norton or like blame Pete Carroll for uh, the the team playing bad, but there's been so many injuries as well, and you you must know that as as a player yourself. Like if you change so many uh have so many personal changes how, how how does it affect the chemistry on a on a defense like that because you're so dependent on each other and i know like when I, i've analyzed a couple of plays oh that's that my alarm ringing I need to get up right now <laughs> no um <laughs> no I, I i analyzed a couple of plays uh, and especially like the the cover three sky plays um i i, I saw some things with the linebackers like having troubles with the the different uh, assignments that they have but my right. question to you is that because there are so many different plays called that you get uh, messed up about like what is my assignment here or what is going on what should i react on because you're a new guy on the field or you're playing a different position than than you normally do
1: right I think it's a combination of things too. And you got to remember that this off season was really short, right? So you normally have a lot of time in training camp to get these extra uh, reps and to get that muscle memory, right? So now like if you're doing stuff on Zoom, and you're only able to watch film, it's a little bit different. I know um, I was a guy to where I had to go out and do practice. I had to feel it. I had to move around. And there's some guys that could just watch the film and they could be like, okay, I need to do that. Or there's guys that are a combination, but to really be out there and to be running plays and to get your body used to doing those different drops and being in those cover three jobs and doing stuff like you talked about. I think the off season, I think is the biggest part about it. Even though everybody around the whole league, of course, had to do it. So it's not a, um, it's not an excuse, but when you're bringing in new guys in key positions and you're losing guys um, and you got guys that come in from other teams that are in key roles and they have to communicate and do things like that, it can be difficult. And like I said, I think it's going to come together. The guys on defense are too good and they've played uh, too much good football. So it's really going to come together. And they, they, they've played they've played well in a lot of spots, but they just got to get more. And I think that anybody on that defense would tell you the same thing, but if there's too many good football players over there just to say that the defense is playing bad and they're trash and we throw them out. Yeah. I think, again, we just need to be uh, patient. And I think we're going to be uh, very happy and we're going to be surprised at the end because they're going to pull it together.
0: Yeah. And that leads me to the very last question. What's your hot, hot take on, on on this year? How far will Russ's cooking take us in the, in the playoff?
1: Russ's cooking can take us as far as we want to go, man. Um, if they improve on all levels, man, and that's, you know, in all phases, the offense, the defense, and the special teams, it's the, uh, the special teams can come together and they can start getting turnovers and they can start getting some kick returns and doing some stuff because when you take that pressure off Russ and he, he doesn't have to cook everything and man, <laughs> and make it all work, all on the offense. If you're getting scores from the defense, you're getting scores from the best teams and the the team is coming together and hitting on all cylinders. That's when you start to talk about that Super Bowl run and things get a little easier because it's not all on one side of the ball's shoulder. So I think that's gonna come together. I think they're gonna get that together. And that comes from the coaching. And I, I know Pete knows that. Pete always says it's all about the ball. So if you can start getting turnovers on a special team, start scoring on special teams, start scoring on defense, and then and you let the offense keep doing their thing, I think we got a good chance. We always got a good chance with Pete.
0: Exactly. Fingers crossed would be awesome to see, uh, see a deep run from them this year, definitely.
1: Yes, sir. But Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers
0: crossed. And yeah, so thank you so much for joining, Marcus, which uh, was a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it.